It's the week of November 18th, and this is MASHcast number 107. of the Mash Those Buttons Mash Cast. I am Jared. I'm here with Nick Zelenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? And Joel Couture. I'm not particularly angry this week. My cat shit on the floor, which I guess is annoying, but I mean, that's all I got. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I was wondering, like, at what point would you not be angry about things? Oh, there's always something that's going to piss me off. But, uh, I guess there's nothing specific this week. My cat's a dick. Well, your cat's yeah. a cat. I bought a litter box for a damn reason. Use it. He should beside it. Directly beside it. He is this spiting is you. Defiance. <laughs> the house is mine. Uh, uh, well, actually, this week, this is Bashcast number 107, by the way. Uh, we were actually able to get an interview with John Greatwich uh, from Great Pinball Limited in Halifax, Nova Scotia. So we're going to, to play that interview, and then we will be uh, we'll be back right after that. All right, well, t- today we have a special guest, uh, John Greatwich from uh, Great Pinball Limited is uh, joining us on the podcast today. Uh, how you doing, John? Pretty good. Good, good. It's, it's a little different for us because, you know, we we typically deal with video games for the most part, but, you know, uh, Joel was just at, uh, well, it was a HowCon. HowCon. Yeah, HowCon yeah. two weeks ago, which was a, pretty much a pinball convention he was telling me how much how great of a time he had, and we're we're happy that you're able to come onto the show and and talk to us about pinball, which I think everybody has played pinball in in their life. If they didn't, they were deprived. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I do think it's very important to video games history too. I mean, pinball was so huge in the arcades back in the day. But, uh, anyway, John, what is your company, Great Pinball Limited? What do you guys do? Uh, what I usually do is. Uh sell old classic games and I sell uh, brand new games and I also do uh, restoration work and manufacture a new pinball product especially pinball back glass and I'm getting into new play fields and doing conversions All right. how big of a market is there for stuff like that nowadays I, I mean I always figured pinball was getting kind of small with just like a couple of dedicated collectors but I don't know I saw a lot of people enjoying it at Halcon so how, how big is your market nowadays it's still pretty small, but like overall, it's huge for the the home market. The commercial market in North America has pretty well died off. Okay, uh, so what got you into the pinball business to begin with? I was always interested in electronics, and uh, I started to play in pinball down in the states. And when I was twelve, one summer in Nova Scotia, you had restrictions; you couldn't play until you were sixteen. Back oh, in the seventies. So you've been playing for a while then? Yeah, I was, uh, I'm 49, so I was there for the advent of 
the boom with all the new video games coming on stream and all the electronic pinball machines. Nice. So I got to see, you know, the older arcade stuff that was actually still like black and white go to color and then all the new technology rolling out. Wow, that's really cool. So uh, what, what made you want to do it as a business then? I was always interested in uh, selling games and then lately it's just been a, a matter of getting into manufacturing product, just proving that you can actually do stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, what makes you feel, what, make, what do you like to see in a pinball table, I guess, just personally? Uh, that it works and you don't have any ball hang, uh, hang-ups. The worst thing I find uh, with Stern is they don't finish the code or they do a bunch of stuff that uh, is really annoying, like uh, ball searches that takes too long and people don't know to nudge the ball loose. Like they almost need a prompt to guide people that are used to playing video games that you can shake a pinball machine. Yeah. Uh, is it difficult to do like where, where you dealing like classic stuff? Um, and I saw you had to put on a big show. Uh, was not being able to tilt kind of hard for people at the show? Yeah, like I say, uh, they could uh, shake it and tilt it. Uh, the Halcon show put up signs not to abuse the games because you do get some people that just go crazy, same as video games. You want to beat the shit out of us. So I don't mind people shaking in the games, but like destroying them is another story. Okay. Uh, so what sort of, what sort of difficulties is your business facing these days? Like uh, how hard I guess is it to sort of break into a pinball business? It's super hard. I tried opening up an arcade for pinball and like our city had a restriction. You can only operate three games on one location and I found, you know, the interest has really waned for the most part on the younger generation. They just haven't been exposed to pinball machines because they've been pulled out of all the locations because of useless government restrictions or legalized gambling. So a lot of these laws on the books, are they still from, like, back in the 70s when they sort of limited things? Or Yep, back from the 70s, they still have it... Uh, yeah, like in my city, arcades are thrown in with strip clubs and junkyards, if you can Jeez. figure out that. But like, uh, it's a little bit more lax for anyone trying to break into uh, classic video games on location because they can get them in the corner stores. If the corner store has ever rented out movies, it's an amusement license. So mm-hmm. you can have unlimited video games if you get a city license. Whereas pinballs, you're restricted to maximum three. They're still treated as gambling devices? Uh, no, like uh, pinball machines are their own separate breed. Okay. But, like our city was so bad, like two years ago when I first opened the store, they gave me an automatic amusement ride because they didn't have any stickers for pinball machines. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's one thing to call it, I guess. All right. Uh, so where did you learn to do all your work on pinball machines? Just uh, learn by working on them. Uh, the good thing about commercial pinball machines is usually they're well-engineered. So if you do anything really bad, usually you're just going to blow a fuse, maybe smoke a part, but you won't destroy the unit. 
Uh-huh. Whereas, like a lot of electronics today, if you destroy a one cent resistor, the whole product is now garbage. Oh, jeez. Jeez, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Is it? Is it hard to get a lot of the parts for the older tables these days? Uh, no, a lot of the stuff, like the cla- the early classic valleys that I grew up with, there's all kinds of new electronic parts. And with the other manufacturers, there is some parts, but it's not as big as Bally was like the the biggest probably uh, producer back from 78 to 82. And they kept the same computer board for about five years in the other parts. So they produce hundreds of thousands of games. So back when I got into it about 17 years ago, you used to scrap games to keep games going. Now the last 10 years, you can pretty well take any dead valley and get it back to working condition with all the new parts. Oh, wow. That's really cool. So I had heard that a lot of like pinballs tables were sort of cannibalizing each other just to keep going. But if they're getting new parts, that's great. I mean, that means we're not, you know, slowly but surely running out. Yeah. Uh, what happened is like there was a big shake up. So most of the players in pinball bailed out in the 90s. And what happened is that a lot of the games now that were manufactured, some of them will go to the dump, but it's not the attrition rate like the old days because of parts. You can keep games going almost forever now. Nice. So where do you end up getting most of your used tables? I saw some used tables on your site there. Yeah, I used to get them uh, from our biggest operator in Nova Scotia years ago. And then when eBay came out, the prices kind of went through the roof. And by that time, all the video game guys and all the pinball game guys had already gone through the huge warehouse and pretty well removed anything that was worth anything. So what's left there now is like... Uh, newer stuff from the late 80s or 90s, but the prices are so high, most people just won't buy it. Yeah. What sort of prices are people are look, interested in pinball looking at? Uh, right now, it used to, right now the range is about 800 to 1500 and usually most people are around the 800 to $1,000 mark. Mm-hmm. When I got into it, you could actually sell games between the five hundred and seven hundred fifty dollar mark, but uh, the value of the games has been increasing the last number of years. And if you start putting on new electronic parts, they cost hundreds of dollars each. So then that price drives the price up to sell the game. Oh, naturally. Uh, speaking of new parts, who who's all making new pinball tables now? Because I was surprised to see a Wizard of Oz like brand new table. Like I I never even knew that people were building new ones these days. So what sort of companies are working on that? And what are they doing? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of companies that are coming on stream. So some are like uh, former pinball uh, artists or designers are doing their own stuff. In England, there's uh, Highway Pinball is a new upstart. Uh, Jersey Jack, who did the Waz, he's been like first out of the gate after about three years of development, and he's coming out with a Hobbit next. Uh, Highway Pinball's got, I think, two or three tables ready to come out. There's another company called uh, P3 Multimorphic, and they've got, I think, three or four tables already developed. They just have to start producing product. 
and then you got a whole whack of boutique builders, probably three or four down the states that are getting into it. Wow, that's really cool. Like, just to hear that. I mean, I thought nobody was doing it, and here I find out, like, tons of people are doing it. Yeah, and then there's uh, more, like, I'm coming out with pinball conversions where I can take an old game and give it everything brand new. So you're just recycling the the parts. So you get, like, new artwork, new play field, back glass, cabinet art, and plastic sets. So I think that's where the market's going too. Is like if you can offer a thirteen or fifteen hundred dollar package, where somebody can take an old worn out Bally or other game and refresh it into another theme with brand new parts, would be almost like a brand new game. Yeah, I suppose re- revitalizing those old tables—that's a cool idea. All right, also uh, recycling. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. All right. Uh, I heard that uh, you guys hold tournaments periodically. Uh, what sort of process is that? Uh, what I normally do is the main tournament for me is the Halcon show. Mm-hmm. So in Nova Scotia, what you can do is you can have a tournament, and if all the money goes back in prizes, then you don't have to go through any licensing or crap with the government. Mm-hmm. So every single dollar that went into tournament play at Halcon. So there are three pins, and 100% of the money went to the highest score player. Okay. So it was kind of an interesting way. Like one guy came in and won the pod on his last ball. Oh, jeez. Whereas, you know, one guy had the high score on Waz from New Brunswick, and he won it, and the, the mm-hmm. score stayed good for three days. Days. Not bad. So, what kind of turn did I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, and also I do like... Uh, uh, once a month, uh, just a social, but like we really haven't been like playing a game for a mini tournament because the numbers just aren't there. Yeah, still. Does. How was the turnout at Halcon for the, t- the tournament? It, it's super huge. Like people are lucky to get onto uh, a table to play, and what happens is by having the most modern pins at a dollar a play tournament play. It allows people, if they don't want to wait for a free game, to stand up to a tournament game and at least get a play on it or two. Yeah, I drained some pretty fast on those uh, dollar play new tables. So it was definitely a good time. Uh, what sort of people do you find turned out for that? Like all sort of, or all ages, or just you know? It's pretty well all ages. For like people that are probably in their forties or fifties or sixties, remember going to the arcade and they're trying to introduce either their children or grandchildren to the experience. So it's kind of interesting. Like, uh, it's nice to see young kids getting up and playing pinball, even if they're batting at the flipper buttons all the time. It's probably (laughs) the same, you know, with them starting off with video games, probably just firing away at crazy all the time. Oh yeah. Just flicking the buttons. I find a lot of people are like that first time they play pinball anyway. And I still do it when I panic, so. Yeah, uh, they hold their fingers off the flipper buttons, and really, for better timing and control, you want to have your fingers right on the buttons. For sure. What were the reactions you were seeing from the kids? Uh, pretty well positive. Like, it's always pretty well positive, and everything usually goes okay. Right on. All right. Uh... 
how hard is it to find like a working version of most pinball tables these days? Like, I, and again, you deal in the used, but uh, how often do you find these broken and I guess beyond repair? Uh, there's a lot out there, but like usually what happens is people that are getting into the hobby are really hot to buy games. Mm-hmm. I was the same way. So like as soon as there's an ad out, people are pouncing at it if it's anything decent. Back when I started, we had the Bargain Hunter was probably the biggest place to find uh, old pinball machines for sale, whether they were working or not. Okay. So that's pretty well gone by the wayside with Kijiji and Craigslist and the States and eBay. Okay. All right. Um, are there any sort of online groups that uh, pinball enthusiasts can sort of join? that are pretty good if they want to learn about it or just find new places to play around them? Yeah, the the biggest Canadian site is called maca.org, M-A-A-C-A.org, and there's a big group called Pinside down in the U.S. Okay. Google groups are pretty well fading into the past now. And what do these groups do? They just sort of arrange events and things like that or just give people you know, places to talk? It's all the topics. So you've got uh, parts for sale, games for sale, games wanted, people talking about every table that's out there and rumors about what's going on and bitch session about what they don't like. Mm. So it's a lot of information out there to try and get yourself through. All right. Uh, all right, and there's a there's actually quite a few uh, video game versions of pinball, like nice ones that have been coming out lately. Do you think that sort of thing drums up interest to want to play the real tables? I, I do, and there's some of it's good because like a lot of games people can't afford to buy, so you could get uh, what they call pin mame or uh, and system like that where you can go on and play different tables and there's different companies that get licensed packs or they do this or that so i find it's pretty interesting even locally there's some guys that are building their own pin main making their own cabinets whether it's just a flat screen in the cabinet and one or two in the head for the displays it's pretty interesting yeah, I saw. I did go to a guy's house where he had one. He had I did like a pin meme, like you said, where you'd select whatever table you wanted. Got to play some medieval madness, which made me pretty happy. But that's that's a table that's hard for me to find in the wild, I guess. Yeah, that one will be pretty readily available because, like most people, if they can afford it, they're signing up for a remake. I've got uh, my name down on an eight thousand dollar U.S. remake of it. So by the time you get it in Canada, you're probably looking at over $10,000 after taxes and shipping and everything. Hey, that's a lot of money to tie up on it. Yeah. All right. But, but that, that's hey. the problem with pinball machines now. The new new stuff is anywhere between six dollars and $10,000 for a brand new table, and the prices are going up from there. Guys. So it's a really select crew who can really play these things and or at least afford to keep one of their own. That's right. But the good thing is that they don't appreciate that quickly. Mm-hmm. So if somebody buys like a $6,000 pin, usually they can play it for six months to a year and maybe just lose $1,000 on it. So it's not okay. like a tremendous drop in value over time. 
All right. So just to close us off, what are some of your favorite tables that you'd recommend some people go look for? I recommend uh, anybody getting into the hobby just to stick with the uh, classic Bally's. Because, like I say, there's tons of them out there, and they're very reliable, lots of parts, and they're good tables to play. Uh, the old days, I, I keep people away from buying, like, Gottlieb or Williams or some of the other ones, because, like, the parts are hard to come by, or they're a little bit harder to service. Well, John, whereabouts are you located in uh, Halifax, so people can look you up? Yeah, you can find me on Kijiji to find my address. I'm back to operating out of my house. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, All do, right, so do you have like a, a website or a Twitter or a Facebook page for anybody to follow? Yeah, the website's greatpinball.com. All right. Well, John, thanks a lot for coming out for us and talking some pinball with me. I, I do love talking about it and just hearing more about it. And it's very exciting for me to hear that a bunch of companies are making new tables and that a lot of the old tables are able to be sort of reserviced and repurposed. And I don't know. It just sounds great. I'm really happy to talk to you. Yeah, hopefully there's a rebirth, but it'll be a long haul trying to get pins back on location. I imagine. But uh, you'll definitely see me again next Halcon to play some more. All right. All right. Oh, definitely. Thank you for uh, for coming on the show. It's interesting. Yeah, no problem. And if you guys are ever down here, just look me up. All right, great. You will. Thanks. All right, thanks. Thank you. All right, so once again, that was John Greatwich from Great Pinball Limited. Uh, you can find that in Halifax, Nova Scotia. We thank him for coming through and, uh, you know, giving us the lowdown on pinball. I was actually really surprised that pinball was... You know, having kind of a resurgence. Yeah, it's still kind of like a closet hobby, but I'm kind of surprised that it's it's becoming easier to fix the tables because that was always a common problem, and that people are making new tables, which surprised me because I mean I pretty I was positive this was pretty much a dead hobby. Well, so, you know, I wonder so, if you know because you know pinball was obviously huge back in the 70s and, and the early 80s because you there you really couldn't play video games or other things like that in your own home. And then, uh, you know, you had Nintendo and, well, the story tells itself from there. But now, is it, like, because everybody's, like, shut into their homes because of their Xbox and there's Xboxes and their PS4s and amazing PCs that they're ready to go back out into the wild and get social with their games and stuff? I know. I mean, I still like having people over to the house to play games. Nothing I like better. I mean, there's something delicious about wrecking someone online, but... In person, just being able to see sweeter. my friend's face just drain of all happiness in person is you can, good. You can actually see the transfer of happiness from them to, them to you. Yeah, except that's usually the opposite. I'm uh, terrible at everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, I just went to uh, to the, the Philly Game Forge on Friday. They had a showcase, and it was awesome, like, you know, playing games with people there, like, you know, going to game gatherings. Uh, which you know I've done I've done in the past. You know if you want to count packs as a huge game gathering, but you know you do it, but you don't do it all the time. Not nearly as much as people used to do. Like people used to go to arcades and pinball arcades like weekly, and now if we do something like that every few months, it feels really good to do. So yeah. uh, you know, a resurgence of pinball would actually be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind. I mean, it's cheap fun. You go there, meet some people, new friends, all that stuff. And then you can still go back home and play your PS4 or Xbox One if you want to be shut in. 
Or neither of them, because I still haven't gotten mine yet. Uh, actually, yeah, you were supposed to get yours. What happened? Uh, I was on the second shipment, and I'm the first name on the second shipment list, which I forgot about. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. When are you supposed yep. to get it? Uh, hopefully soon. I don't know. I'm going to check it out over this weekend. Hopefully get it this weekend, but we'll see. Well, up in Canada, you don't have a holiday fucking up your mail. So. Yeah, exactly. We already did Thanksgiving and around Halloween because, I don't know, we think it's funny. <laughs> okay. Whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. All right, buddy. Yeah, let's move into our topics for this week. Um, you know, since we, we don't need to do with a what's your plan since we already had an interview. Uh, even though I haven't been playing much anyway. <laughs> My Assassin's Creed review is finally up, if you're interested in that, guys. And it's uh, funny. He liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did like it. Actually... It has the highest score that we've given an Assassin's Creed game since Brotherhood. And Brotherhood, in my opinion, is the best game in the series. Which makes sense, then. That's a good sign. That's a good sign, so. (laughs) I also put up an editorial talking about how Ubisoft doesn't know what they're going to do with the series, too. So, there's two articles up about Assassin's Creed on the site at this point. It's about all the Assassin's Creed you could possibly stand. Yes, just about. Uh, But let's uh, get into the topics uh, obviously, uh, one big, big event last week was the, the PS4 launch. And a couple things with it. First of all, uh, Sony sold a 1 million units in 24 hours, which is... And 1 uh, million to 1, if they do read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, a, you know, a, uh, not a surprise, but it, I think this launch was more reminiscent of the PS2 launch, because actually on eBay, those things were selling like crazy. They said something like 11,000 PS4s were sold on eBay mm. like over the weekend. Wow. It was like some how high, much? Some high, so I'm not sure how much they were selling for, but it's some high number. Um, but yeah, like this is more reminiscent of the PS2 launch because uh, the PS3 launch was like Sony with a big head coming to the table. It's like, oh yeah, $600. Fuck it, they'll pay for it. And then never happened. And then people buy, like, you know, it was most of the time the people who were in line to get a PS3 were the guys who were going to sell it on eBay. And then they never moved. Mm-hmm. The units never moved because the price was too big. It's too much. So, yeah, it was uh, very interesting. I'm happy uh, for Sony that they, they were able to, you know, get these things going, especially in the face of you know, so many analysts saying consoles are dead. <laughs> you know, the console yeah. market is shrinking. Like, no, the console market, the, the last gen went for, what, I'm going to go ahead and say from 2005 to 2013. Yeah. Eight years. That's a long time. That is a long time for, a, uh, for, for well, the longest console generation we've ever had, actually, isn't it? But unless you want to count, well, how long, when did the Super Nintendo come out? What year? I want to see 90, 90, 90, yeah. 90 to 92, somewhere in that window. Yeah, it was like, I think it was like closer to 92, because that would make like, oh, the, the, and one of the, uh, the Nintendo came out in 81. 91. Uh, 91. Right in the middle. Okay, so the Nintendo, and the Nintendo, the NES came out in 91. Uh, sorry, 81. At least, no, at least Mario, well, yeah, well, I was going to say Mario was out in 81, and so Nintendo came out in 81. Uh, so that's a, that's a ten year, I guess, life cycle right there. So I guess this is not the longest. It just felt like it because we got so well, used to, huh? Well, I was gonna say the Nintendo was actually was eighty three, eighty three or eighty five. I think it depends. It was eighty three? Yeah, maybe I'm thinking it was eighty three. 
83 in Japan, 85 in the U.S. Okay, yeah. the, the, I think the copyright for Mario was 81. Yeah. The, okay, yeah, so, so you had that in arcades. So. Yeah, so the copyright for Mario was 81. Also, 83 to, also in the U.S., 85 to 91. So yeah, like, that's six years. Then the Super Nintendo, like, well, the Nintendo 64 came out, like, five years after that. Yeah. Then you had uh, the GameCube, what, in 2000? Yeah, two thousand one. Yeah, yeah, but still, like, yeah, we got like this. This is okay. So this is the longest console cycle we've seen, and they've stretched the shit out of it. They, 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 they've squeezed every ounce of power out of those machines. But I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to get into it because then we'll just go talking about consoles. <laughs> well, 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 say it now. You gotta say. Well, no, it. I was gonna say the problem yeah. is though that Microsoft Microsoft forced this on us because they rushed to get to the 360 because they wanted to you know they, they wanted to move on from the struggling xbox so this this generation started early i wouldn't say that like only by a year because the playstation 3 was was uh slated to come out in 2006 anyway you know and now uh, you can't count the wii as a next-gen console simply because it just it, it changed the way you played games versus the actual console, I guess, you know, in terms of graphical generation and power. Um, but yeah, the PS3 was going to come out anyway. Because the, the PS2 came out in 2000? Yeah. You know, like, that was like six years, you know? So, I don't know. Like, they, they, I was actually surprised how good Assassin's Creed um, Black Flag looked on the PS3. I'm never buying an Assassin's Creed on a Xbox console again. <laughs> like, I, no, that, that, that might be a moot point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, dude, it was it, it was the graphics looked good, and the the frame rate. I can't believe the the frame rate would get up to at least fifty frames on most places. The only time it would drop down is if it was like raining. Usually, like when like if you hit a storm, uh, and if you hit a storm and we're fighting like uh, with with Edward. If you hit a storm and like we're doing like naval combat, it w- the frames wouldn't really drop. It looked really cool. So, nice. and that's actually really peaceful and serene, by the way. I, I don't want to talk about Assassin's Creed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, the, 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 like you know, sailing. That right there is relaxing. But I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm not gonna. Whatever. Sneaking <laughs> a little what you've been playing. Yeah, you know exactly. Like I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But yeah, but. Yeah, so Sony, they sold uh, a million units, and uh, I've been hearing some noise about PS4s breaking, but when the numbers actually came out, it looks like the less than 1% of PS4s are having issues. Yeah, there's like, nothing really out, like different from any anything else, really, that comes out. Yeah, basically just, it's the vocal minority. Uh, making a big whoop and like so, somebody says, "Oh my God, my PS4 is broken out the box." See, see, that's why you don't buy first. You know, the first wave of next gen yeah. consoles. Don't buy the first wave. Don't be dumb like me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always buy broken shit first thing. Yeah, exactly. That's so. It's strong. <laughs> people, it people are strong. people are making a uh, a big deal out of it, a bigger deal than it really is. I mean, like it sucks if you're. It sucks if. If you're the person that broke, obviously, and plus it's going to be difficult to get replacements. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance that, like, if your PS4 is broken, like, you're not going to get another PS4 until after Christmas at this week. They were saying, for for people that called into Sony uh, support and got a hold of them, 
they were giving them uh, turnaround times of about three weeks. Three and weeks. that included the time it took them to send from Sony to send a box to the people for them to ship their PS4 to Sony. Oh, okay. Well, then that's a different story. It's not reasonable. But still, it's three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still three <laughs> weeks that you, you spent, like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say about 600 bucks, uh, you know, ver- against the console and the games. Yep. You know. So I guess now eyes are on Microsoft on, first of all, how many units are they going to sell? And second of all, how many of them are going to break? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because that'll be real interesting. That, so yeah. Pretty nervous about that themselves. But you know what? Uh, you know what the difference? 360. Yeah. You know what the difference is between this generation and last generation, though? The last generation was cutting edge. The last console generation was cutting edge. This generation is not cutting edge. Nowhere near it. If you bought like a PC graphics card within the last year, uh, yeah, if you were like, about the last year, year and a half, you probably already surpass in terms of graphical power these consoles. You know, um, so the, these these the, these consoles are not on the cutting edge, and the thing they're doing that for a reason. Um, first of all, if you look at how much it cost the PS3 them to build a PS4, sorry. Uh, it's actually like 381 bucks. So, I mean, like, they're not making much on the consoles uh, at all. However, they're not losing money. Sony was losing so much money on the PS3, especially when it first came out. And that's why they started downgrading it to what you have now, which is a play school toy. <laughs> um, that's the only, that is the, I guess, the biggest ben- uh, benefit of going with Sony early is that you get, a, you know, something that looks really nice. Like, for example, the new Vitas that are coming out, the cheap ones. Yeah. I pray to God my Vita never breaks. I almost want to buy a second Vita just in case. Mine broke like a month ago. The screen got messed up. I luckily got one of the old ones. Yeah, so like was, the the new ones. I do not like. I do not like the way they look. But actually, that's what happened on my, my PS3. My PS3 broke. I, I was like, oh, I'll just go buy a new one. And I went to go buy it. I'm like, you slide the top open. What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, fuck that. No, and I went and got my other one. Fix, which costs about $50 less than what it cost for me to get a brand new PS3. Um, so, but yeah, it's... I With Sony, you do get uh, some good-looking hardware if you get it early. And when they when they try to bring the price down, that's when they start making it look a bit more cheap. Uh, but yeah, so the PS4 only costs about 381 to build. So, I mean, just from the price alone, you can see that like this is not cutting edge. Like, if it was something that was cutting edge... Uh, would have easily a uh, cost probably double that. I mean, like, with the the PS3 was selling for six hundred bucks, and I think it cost them like like somewhere between eight hundred to a G to actually make those things, especially at the time with Blu-ray. Like Blu-ray players were like seven hundred dollars. That's what killed them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the Xbox 360 that wasn't much like to like that wasn't much cheaper to produce. You know, or I should say, uh, so Microsoft wasn't making that, uh, wasn't making any money on it at all. Like, both of those consoles really didn't start, would stop, didn't stop bleeding money until like halfway through the console cycle. But this time, neither Sony or Microsoft are doing that. Uh, what I am hopeful that this means is that the console cycle is going to la- is not last as long. I guess I'm having an eight-year console cycle because they're saying it's gonna, the consoles are going to be around for ten years again. No. Uh, I think the console cycle is going to last for five to six years, hopefully, and then we move on. 
you got something to say, Nick? I'm looking at your face and you're kind of Yeah, like, no, they, they always say it's going to be around for 10 years, and that's technically true, but that's only because the end of the life cycle of the console overlaps with the start of the next generation. Yes. So if they're expecting these around to be for 10 years, you figure about, you know, six, let's say five to seven years, that's, you know, which is standard. That's probably when we'll see the next round of consoles. Right. Well, I mean, we, it was eight years this time. I mean, I expect the PS3 to go out of production in 2015. They're still, I, I, I want to say I've heard games are still supposed to be support coming out for the PlayStation 3 uh, at least for another two years, yeah. So that's why I expect of the PS3 and the 360. So we'll see. I actually, I, I still kind of plan to use my PS3 even when I get a PS4 because there's some games I want to finish up on it. My Xbox 360, on the other hand, I'm trading in the 360 and all of my games on the 360 for, to get my PS4. <laughs> so, yeah. That's actually... Whatever. Actually, it's funny because when I went to get my 360, I traded in my Xbox and all of my Xbox games. But I have my PS2 and all of my PS2 games still. So, it says a lot for Sony. But yeah, I, can, I plan to keep my PS3 for a while. Perhaps by the time I'm ready to get an Xbox One, uh, I'll be trading it in. But so never. <laughs> hey, I'm ne- like if they keep that price at five hundred. Actually, if they keep the Connect bundled, I think that's the thing. If they keep the Connect bundled, I probably won't get it. Uh, simply because I know it'll be cheaper without the Connect. So they need to give me a Connectless bundle, and that's all I care about. But on top, but to be honest with you, with the when it comes to, to the Xbox One, I have to see how bad it is to use without the Connect. Like if it's if it's a pain in the ass to use without the Connect, I don't even want to deal with it. Like, why would I bother? You know? That just means I can't play exclusive Xbox games. Oh, well. You know, and that's only going to be a problem if Sony fucks up and nobody makes anything for the PS4. But in terms of, like, indie games and better exclusives, Sony has been on you know, on, the, on, on the climb. I mean, actually, Sony's always been better exclusives than Microsoft. The only right. one that puzzles me with Microsoft is they got... Uh... Swery's uh, new game, D4, I forget what the D's all stand for. The guy who made uh, Deadly Premonition, that uh-huh. weird cult hit. Like, I'm not sure why on earth Microsoft went after him and got him, but they have him. And that is the only game I want an Xbox One for right now. And that is driving me freaking nuts. Yeah, the only game I'll be interested in the Xbox One as of right now is like a, like a Halo 5, but I don't even know. I don't know if that's a console mover for me. I really don't know if that's a console mover for me. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so PS4 is out and uh, it's looking good so far. I haven't actually. I haven't been saying too much about it though. Like on my on my personal feed, like I know there's at least five or six people I know that have it, mm-hmm. and some people took uh, some pictures, and that's the last I heard about it. That, that's it. That could be a good sign. That means they're liking it so much they're not they're too busy to talk about it. Or there's just nothing really to talk about. Or they're yeah, too, I mean, they're too busy to streaming. Oh god. Nick, you are <laughs> sly. You, know, you are sly. And I would normally slide into the next topic because that's what Nick was trying to do, but it's out of order. Oh! <laughs> Fucking out of order. Or, or, order is all in your mind. God damn it, Nick. <laughs> I one one day I just want to make like like a highlight reel of all the times you tried to segue into something <laughs> and, and fucking fucked it up, <laughs> or fucked it up, the, fucked up the uh, the order of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, but the thing is, I should blame myself if I was a better host. I would just slid slide with it, you know. 
but that's I'm a terrible host. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, let's move into our next topic though, which is uh, regarding uh, some rush reviews. This came from the PA Report, which is Nick's favorite website. It's up there. It's up there. It's up there. <laughs> yeah, Nick loves to hate the PA Report, but he actually agrees with it, with this article. Uh, that you know, I guess um, I, I really did not look into the review scores for the PS4 games. Or the PS4. Pretty bad though. Huh? Not bad, but just mediocre. Mm. Like, I didn't look into it because I'm like, I'm not getting the console now. I'm not getting the games now. So why would I even look at it? Um, maybe because I'm a games journalist. <laughs> That's why I should have looked at it. <laughs> That's the answer to that question. Um, sure. But the the article from PA Report uh, that Ben Kachera brought up was that, you know, perhaps the the reason why the scores were so low is because Sony's embargo. Uh, like, you know, usually embar- like with an embargo, you get something, you can get something early, but there's a certain date at which you can actually report on it. But in this case, a lot of the games... Where um they didn't get they didn't get the consoles they didn't they got the they got the both the consoles and the games late and so you had to rush through both and going through a console is not that difficult to do but going through a game and giving it a decent amount of time especially with a new console where there may maybe some new features and things you're getting used to that's a different story not to mention it's kind of hard to compare you know games when you when you haven't played many of them you know. So on on that specific platform, but yeah, so that's that's what Kuchera really brings up the fact that you know it did did the rushed. Well, I guess Sony's practice, you know, Sony's plan this time to make the the the, uh, the review time short. Is that what caused the the low scores? It's well, it's actually it's kind of annoying to play through a game really quickly for review. I mean, it's, even even games you know quite well on platforms you know well. I mean, to, to have they gave them, from what it sounds like, a day, a day and a half to get all this stuff out. And to just plow through a game, like even a game you might normally like, things are going to drive you nuts that normally wouldn't. And you can't really, it, it's hard to enjoy the experience sometimes when you got to bull rush through them. I mean, we've all done it to get our reviews out on time because, I mean, you really want to buy Embargo or else you're going to miss the boat and everybody else will have their reviews out before yours. So you kind of got to bull rush through it. But there is a there is a bit of that that kind of makes the games less fun to play. Sorry. Isn't that the trade off though? I mean, it 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 becomes work, but to a degree, that's our job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, we're not you know if if we were playing these games just to have fun and and you know then and get the review out whenever we get the review out, that's an entirely different sort of you know motivation and and you're going to get entirely entirely different results than if you know you have to get through a certain you know amount of game by a certain time uh you know to make deadlines so So are we kind of saying kuchera is full of crap then because we do this all the time no no because i well well, because the way kuchera is framing it and and it's not just that kuchera is framing it because it was uh it was shuhei yoshida uh, from from Sony, who actually actually kind of uh, in response to a question over on GamesIndustry.biz, um, brought up the point that um, brought up the point that the reviewers didn't have as much time with the consoles as they would have liked. Um, although he kind of makes it sound a little bit more like there were some delays, and especially with the online features going being ready so late uh, before launch, that that's kind of what held them from from enjoying the games as much as they did. But um, no, but Kuchera goes right along with it though, and. I almost get it's. I almost get the sense that he's it's he's kind of nudging them 
to the degree that it's it's like yeah you know you should have given us the consoles earlier you know like you're not wrong and as far as Kachara making that point I know we talked we you know I, you know we, we talked recently about so, some uh, uh, well like Sessler for example when he was kind of basically pointing out that uh, you know we're not going to get the consoles on time and it, 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 it's going to be terrible and you're, you're you're hurting my job again you know a point of reference for somebody actually claiming this as a source of income and work and not looking at it as play. But at the time, the concern was sort of that in a way he's kind of, it, 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 again, it was an issue of tact that you don't want it to sound like, you know, you're bragging, like I should have the consoles before everybody else. And to a degree, I'm better than them. And I think Kuchera does a good job here of kind of focusing more on the point that the process hurt Sony and not so much, you know, we deserve the consoles earlier than than other people would get them, and I think it's it's interesting because this is this is kind of the discussion that you want to see, where you know developers and publishers and and, uh, and hardware manufacturers, you know, going back and forth with the media, and to that you know to that degree, like these are the kind of conversations that might go on in a back room, and at least to that you know, uh, Kuchera is kind of bringing that up publicly, and he's doing it a little more subtly. Uh, I think a little subtly in a good way. Uh, I, I kind of, I didn't mind this article from him. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think he's right. Like the the rush reviews probably did hurt Sony uh, more than the actual reviewer. Um, but does it really matter? I mean, if you were going to get a PS4 anyway, and then you read the re-game reviews and they didn't get great scores, you're still going to pick up not only the PS4 but the games. Like, well, I'm buying a PS4, so I got to get the games too, and the games are not going to be that great. Then you read the game, you, you actually play the game, but, oh, this game wasn't bad, <laughs> you know? And now the now the reviewers have lost uh, some of their credibility. So, I don't know, I, I, I don't, I think it's kind of a moot, uh, like a moot point, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, like, Kuchera has a point, and I think he's right to a degree, but at the same time, when you really look at it, I don't think it matters all much. Not for a launch like this. Like once the game, like once the consoles are out for a while, and people have other games to play, and then they're trying to pick up a new game. I think that's when review scores actually matter a bit more. Right now, so uh, like I said, I don't, I don't know anybody who was getting a PS4, and then they, uh, you know, they read the review scores like, ah, oh, shit, never mind, let me cancel my pre-order. That shouldn't happen. When when was the last time that there was a launch title that was actually like basically like a console mover quality game? A console mover quality game? Yeah. Wii Sports. Yeah. No fair. bullshit. <laughs> Wii Sports. People bought the Wii or Wii Sports. So right. There's Nintendo. Everybody's doubting Nintendo all the time, but look who's got the console movers, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Nintendo sure. man. Nintendo's yeah. always sneaky. Yeah, but yeah. I, I guess it does look a little bit bad on the reviewers if they're giving lo- low scores when they don't have much time to do it. Because I mean, gamers don't care if you don't have time to do it. I mean, this is your job, and if you can't put past your annoyances at not having much time to play a game, then you're the one who ends up looking bad if people play the game and like, oh, this is good. This guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Exactly, yeah. And that happens quite a bit. I don't think it's that they're annoyed that they didn't have time to play the game. It's just that they didn't have a complete experience for playing the game because they didn't have the time. 
I, I don't think they're consciously saying like, oh, I only had two hours, so I'm I'm gonna you know shit on this review. I think they're just well, no, I, I don't think anyone's consciously making that decision. But if you're start if you're getting pissy and you're letting things bother you that might not normally, or saying things are bothering you more and, and not really stopping to think like. I'm tired. I've been playing for 14 hours trying to rush this review out. I should probably calm down on this one aspect because otherwise it's going to make me look like I'm complaining over nothing. Yep. You know, it could be that's very easy to be overly aggressive with a review. Very, very easy. Especially in like the, the snarky review environment. Like people seem to like to write really nasty reviews because they're funny. So, but you, you run a big risk of looking like an idiot. If the game is actually pretty good. Exactly. Well, huge risk, huge reward, right? Mm-hmm. Big payoff for all those internet funnies. Yeah. <laughs> you two could be meme worthy. Yeah. Everybody's trying to get those catchphrases. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, but yeah, let's move on to our, our next topic, which is the one Nick tried to get into earlier. <laughs> we <laughs> couldn't give it to him, though. Yeah, but he hit the brick wall. But either way, yeah, the... Uh, there's another article once again on um, PA Report regarding you know streaming and how easy it is, and it says that streaming is a game changer. And uh, while I don't disagree, I mean, well, I, I should say I agree that you know streaming is a great game changer, but not for the way that Ben Gutierrez is saying it is. I <laughs> yeah. think it's actually a terrible thing for Twitch mm-hmm. uh, because now that's both the Xbox One and the PS4 are going to be able to stream directly to Twitch. And very easily, like at the click of the push of a button, you know. And I do believe that this is uh, going to oversaturate Twitch with with garbage. I mean, you can go on Twitch right now, which is harder to it's harder to stream to it now. And most of those games are PC games. If you're streaming on a console to Twitch, that means you have a pretty decent setup going on. Um, you can find a lot of trash now, you mm-hmm. know, and. It's just gonna get worse with everybody streaming, you know. Everybody streaming, like you know, like when I when I go to like look at a StarCraft stream, like I'll search and I can kind of filter through the the the, the shit, and then like okay, well I'll watch this person. Now there's gonna be so much more shit to filter through, not for StarCraft in particular, but for you know console games. I do I want to watch an average Joe play Knack? No, because I can go play <laughs> Knack, you know. Yeah. And be better at it, but still, that's beyond the point. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, like why would I, why would I want to go watch people play games that aren't that, that aren't good at it? Maybe I'm just missing the point. Like, I don't watch streams just to watch streams because I have games to play. Yeah. What if you're some, what? I don't know. I've always felt it was such a strange phenomenon, the let's play sort of thing. Like, I have so many games, I can't imagine wasting an evening watching someone else play fucking games. I have enough to play myself. Like, why would I want to watch you play it? And this, yeah. just the the amount of noise this is going to create on those like those like d- kind of viewing services. Like, oh my god, the mess it's going to make. Uh, as an example, like, uh, Amazon will let you publish, you know, like short stories and novels and things like that yourself. But anyone can do it. You just need one program and to transfer your your book into that type of file. So now you get it flooded with any idiot who can put two words together and there's, there's nobody to stop it so the ability it becomes almost impossible to find anything good on there unless you like really really dig or like follow a couple of people you already know and trust so 
it'll just it lets in all this garbage that's going to be practically impossible to sift through. I think that's kind of the point, though, is that fundamentally, well, it makes it easier for you know the the average Joe or your mom, and as in the case in Kuchera's uh, <laughs> picture there. Um, it makes it easier for them. The, the point is that they're not going to have any kind of following that. And it, if, if anything, for the, the amazing streamer just starting out, I think this, you know, gives them an incredibly tough road to climb because they have to, you know, rise above the noise. But I think in the case, in the cases that Kuchera points out, it's all people that he knows in the industry, be it other developers, other reporters, people who already have credibility and, and sort of a fan base that now they're going on Twitter and they're saying, hey, you know, I'm going to be streaming such and such game. And they're getting a handful of people to come watch them play. And I think what this does is – what this has fundamentally done is, like you said earlier, uh, Jared, that right now you need to have a nice setup and a nice rig to be able to go. And, and you kind of have to be ready to stream. And you, it has to be a very conscious and intentional decision that takes time to set up. Now, anybody that already has any kind of following can easily stream with the push of a button. And for them, it sort of changes the game because they have that fan base that they can exploit. And then not really exploiting to the degree that, you know, they're making money off them. If anybody Twitch, if anything, Twitch is making money off them. But, um, but it, 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 that really sets up the kind of community. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I could go and, and stream right now and, you know, without really telling anybody, like, how many people are you actually going to get to follow you? If you don't have, you know, like, a tw you know, an army of Twitter followers, even a, a smattering of Twitter followers, um, you know, if you don't have a means of letting people know how to find you, then nobody's going to find you. And so it's, it's it really, in, in a way, this, it makes it easier. It makes it easier for those people who are already well-known to increase their presence and to a degree, increase their brand. Um, but I don't, I don't, you know, if I give my mom a PlayStation and let her play Call of Duty, um, you know, she's not going to be an internet superstar. Well, that's true. I mean, people, people who have followings will, it'll make it easier for them to, to stream this stuff. Um, Actually, I, I, I did find it interesting, well, at first I found it interesting that Twitch does not automatically save your streams from the PS4 and probably not the Xbox One, which makes a lot of sense because there's going to be a shit ton of people recording things. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's, I, I don't doubt that people who stream or have a following are going to be able to use this tool to their advantage. Uh, but like what I think the, the point that me and Joel are trying to make is that there's just going to be so much garbage to sift through. Like even going through YouTube, like you don't go to YouTube. Nobody goes to YouTube and just looks around anymore. I don't think. Like, no, it's really impossible. Need, yeah, like I, they, there was a time where I could go to YouTube and just like look around and find cool stuff. You can't do that anymore because of how easy it is to upload stuff to YouTube at this point. And you have to have very specific people you want to look at. You know things like that, but that's the, that's the thing. Like with Twitch, like I, I'm, like I can see a time where I'm not just hitting the front page anymore. Like I'm going to a specific channel for a specific reason, and that's it. Uh, it, it. It kills discoverability. That's all. Like if you're just starting out, it's gonna be so much harder for you to start now, unless you're a chick. You know, <laughs> and that's just the truth. I'm sorry. Sorry, fellas. That that's just the truth. Um, you then, like as a guy, as a guy, you have to be like a top tier player if you want to start, if you want people to follow you. Females, not so much. So, but that's that's the internet's problem, <laughs> not yours. 
So. Yeah, and, and just the nature of how this is set up kind of makes it all seem pointless. I mean, if this, if the addition really only helps a couple of people who already have followings, and why is it on every console? I mean, it, it's just going to cause damage for the regular guy. And I mean, you're not going to build up much viewing just on your own. So it's, it almost seems like a kind of a pointless addition. Like it's yeah. nice for the handful who already got a bunch of people watching what they do. But for everybody else, it's kind of pointless. But yeah, I guess it's a toy we'll play with for a couple of months, but that'll be it. It's like, here's a waste of my time. But if that's the case, though, doesn't that mean that the whole everybody's going to be streaming so nobody, you know, it's going to be crowded? Doesn't that kind of mean that it's going to fade out after a while? God, that'd I, be nice. I, I think really the issue here is more it's. I mean, everybody has their followers to a degree, and it's not necessarily, you know, your your you know your Twitter followers or you know your you know your your list of contacts. But I mean, fundamentally, you can say, you know, if you you can put on Facebook like, hey, I'm streaming, and you know, maybe two or three of your friends who, you know, maybe they're stuck at work somewhere, maybe they they're you know they're they're somewhere where they can't game, they got nothing better to do, maybe they can you know as long as they got access to an, an internet connection, they can go and watch you you uh you stream or maybe you've got a game they don't have it yet, you know they might be excited that you got your PS4 before uh, before they did, and they're interested enough to go watch it. I think that's one of the things too. You see, there's a lot you know there's a lot of people streaming uh, Hearthstone on Twitch, and one of the reasons is because the game is still in in beta, and so it's very limited. And there's a lot lot of interest behind that because people people want to play, but they can't, so they're checking it out vicariously. And as long as as long as there's any you know if if, if one friend has a game that the other friends want to get in on, but they can't for whatever reason, then there might be a market for this. But that's not that's sort of I guess the idealized social gaming aspect, um, kind of akin to you know people playing pinball together that we were talking about earlier uh, in the arcades um, where you kind of gather around and watch one person play while everybody else is kind of waiting their turn maybe. But, um, but that doesn't lead to, you know, massive followings with, you know, sponsorships and, you know, suddenly you're, you're a recognizable superstar showing up at video game conventions. Um, that just leads to you hanging out with your friends in a different way. Well, yeah, that's, that's very true. Uh, but still, I mean, even with you saying all that, it still kills discoverability. Absolutely. But actually, I wonder, because, you know, we talked about the, the popular streamers using this. I don't think Twitch had, like, cause it's, it's just so easy to just press a button and sell it to what service, you know, you want to stream to. I'm pretty sure they don't have the tools that most popular streamers want to use, especially ones that get money. Like, if you look at, like, some of these Twitch streams of, like, you know, LOL players, they have, like... You know, they have them playing the game, and they have a space with them on camera. They have fucking tickers going by with people giving them donations and shit. Like, all all that stuff. They have another ticker talking about the music that they're listening to. They have another ticker giving stock prices. Like, it's (laughs) it's fucking ridiculous. So, you know, I I don't think, I don't even think, like, those players would, you know, like, the the more serious streamers would uh, use what's in place on the PS4, it would be more for social stuff, but at the same time, I think it would partially kill um, discoverability, and that's my problem. That's my beef with it: is the, is the discoverability going away? Yeah. So, uh, but it doesn't look like anybody has anything else to say about that. <laughs> so, no, because you're you're right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Moving on. <laughs> Case closed. Actually, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, regarding uh, PSN name changing, don't get happy because you can't change the name 
It's just that that's what we're going to talk about, the fact that you can't change a PSN name. Uh, I will those... be balls and face forever. Yeah, that's that, I found out that's what Joel's uh, name on, Expo, on, on PSN is. Mm-hmm. Um, Try and figure out how I got that past them. What way did I spell it? Internet boys and girls. <laughs> Nick, probably go ahead. That hard to go find. ahead. It'd probably take like two seconds. <laughs> Nick, go ahead and drop the segue you just put in the chat. Because <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick was so happy about the segue that he came Oh, up you dink. Uh, <laughs> if only you'd been faster. I know. I didn't think of this until we were already into the topic. But uh, Go no, balls I said, in your face. You know, it would make you discoverable a great name. Yeah. <laughs> I have several, clearly. Uh, yeah, so uh, those who are using PSN and the PS4, you will not have the opportunity to change a name. It's kind of the same way it was with the PS3 and the Vita. You log into it, the name is the same. Uh, X, the uh, Xbox Live, you can change your name for a fee. It costs like $10. And really, that's that's not in place because they need the money to change it. That's in place that people don't change their name constantly. Um, to be honest Which with you. what I would do instantly. <laughs> constantly change your name? Oh yeah, it'd be stupid crap every week. And that's what they're trying to avoid. They're trying to avoid that, but they're also trying to avoid people like being a dick online and changing their name and coming back, you mm-hmm. know, and player harassment and things like that. Um, but uh, Ben Kuchera, well, that's another Ben Kuchera article. Jesus, <laughs> man, what, 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 <laughs> riding uh, him all night. I know, right? So he came. He had a good point with that. You know, a lot of names. You, you know, you you outgrow them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've gone through you know like a, 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 a few different names over the years, and I do have like each depending on what people call me. That's how. I can, I, I, you know, you can determine how long somebody has known me, because uh, when I played Quake, I had a, I had a, you know, a specific name, and then when I moved to UT, I had a name, and I used that name in UT and in Counter Strike and in Battlefield. I used that name for a long time, and then after I stopped competitive, you know, playing competitively, uh, that's when I got used a, uh, another name, and actually that. Actually, I still use that name primarily, but I do have some other names I'm using, like Incognito. So, <laughs> you know, stupid stuff. And Big Chocolate. I, 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 I changed my StarCraft name to Big Chocolate because nobody wants to get beat by Big Chocolate. It just makes it, it, just makes it sting that much more <laughs> when they get beat, beat up by Big Chocolate. So, uh, but yeah, so it, it, I'm pretty sure if Sony wanted to, they can come up with a way to, for you to change your name. It's just kind of odd that there's no option whatsoever, not even a paid one to change your name. And I mean, some people have some super embarrassing names, you know, that they, you know, would want to change as they become an adult. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. if, you, if you're talking to a co-worker, Joel, and he yeah. asks you what your Xbox Live gamer well, tag is, you that, tell like, him balls uh, and have... face in front of all those kids. I, yeah, <laughs> I work in childcare, and some of the kids have Xboxes. Like, can we add you? I just say no, no, you can't, because <laughs> I, uh, I I'm not willing to shell the ten bucks. Sorry, kids. <laughs> Mr. Joel is cheap, and he doesn't want your parents to go. Who's balls and face? Oh, that's Mr. And Joel. That's, that's <laughs> the guy from the daycare, and then all sorts of questions come up that I don't feel like answering. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 my balls really aren't in their face. I'm just yeah. And actually, <laughs> it's a metaphor. A... It's a metaphor. Oh, but at, when I was working at GameStop a couple of years ago, they had a tournament for the what's the kart racer that involved the little big planet guys. There was there was like a little kart racer game that came out for it. And it you could, be, it could be little big planet. <laughs> anyway, 
you got a free copy of that game if you just agreed to go in this tournament. All you had to do was give your Sony rep your PSN name. I was mysteriously forgotten and didn't get a copy of the game, probably because they didn't want their marketing to say Balls and Face was tearing up the strip. <laughs> <laughs> so there are times you may want to change your name. <laughs> I, that's just an awesome name. I wish I had it. Uh, it's 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 a responsibility though. You you have to keep it in the shadows. Oh, dude, balls and face. That is just great. Uh. They'll catch me someday, and they'll make me change it. And that's what I was counting on. I'm, that's why I'm not paying to change it. Somebody will bitch someday, and then I'll get to fix it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's certain names you want to uh... treasure you... forever. Yeah, you want to you you want to get rid of uh you know because some some people have really super embarrassing names mm-hmm. uh and they you know <laughs> I could just imagine being at the office you mm-hmm. know well not my office they wouldn't care if I had my name was balls and face but mm-hmm. you know let's say you work for like Goldman Sachs or something like that like, you're on the trade floor and like, like what's your uh, what's your uh, username uh, balls and face. Like, oh, As you say, you're dressed up in your suit and tie, drinking your morning coffee, reading the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't really. And you gotta throw your coffee in their face and teabag them. Ah, oh, dude. will never be expected. Yeah, like I said, for some place, some people, it's okay. Not uh, not uh, for uh, not for everybody though. Um, yeah, we. I don't think we have too much more to say about that. That is just. <laughs> No, I wanted to... to bring up stupid stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What an excuse to bring up your fucking name, balls and face. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ben Cuchero. <laughs> are, you, are you accepting friend requests on Xbox Live? Yes, of course I am. I have no real friends. <laughs> Nobody wants to be friends with old balls and face. Yeah, I um, well, actually, I don't know. I, I would add you on my friends list, but I don't really play Xbox Live, so. Oh, I barely play it either. I've got a bunch of two-day cards I stole from work back when I worked there. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that'll wrap us up. Let's look at what's coming out, huh? Hmm. The new Mario and new Zelda this week. Tomorrow, today, probably, if you're listening to it now. Yeah, yeah. New Mario, new Zelda. And Zelda's been getting reviews that are a little bit all over the place but uh mario's been getting really good reviews like i i wasn't gonna buy it after how little i liked the last one but it's a 3d mario game like what was Don't the la- it was what was the last bad 3d mario game never exactly. <laughs> exactly but still i thought i could you know i had zelda it's a single to link to the past i'm not gonna have time to play anything else i'm gonna buy it and it's gonna take up space until i find time to play it I have a lot of traveling to do next week, so I'm going to, I think I'm going to pick it up when I'm in Georgia. So, and then, and then play it. I'm, I'm going to be visiting Nick face to face in RL next Tuesday. So, two men enter, one man leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, so, uh, yeah, you got that coming out. Um, uh, Xbox One, obviously, and the games that come along with that. X, you know what's been getting shit on? Loco Cycle. Oh my god, local cycles been getting <laughs> shit on terribly. I'm like, wow, really? Like, you know, because the thing is, like, when I when I saw it at PAX, I was like, okay, like, I I, I get it, but I like, you know, for Twisted Pixel, this is not their shining moment. Mm-hmm. They they've had some really good games, like, you know, actually, I have a statue of a uh, comic jumper 
put that shit on camera right now so those guys can see it. Statue of Comic Jumper. I love Comic Jumper. It wasn't one it wasn't the most popular game, but between the gameplay, which was alright, actually the gameplay was more than alright. It was fun. Uh and the actual like dialogue, that shit was hilarious. Um I I really liked it. Even though you know what's bad? The be- like the funniest dialogue was this um in this one comic that was from the 60s so it was extremely misogynist mm-hmm. like the comic itself was misogynist like the 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 enemy of the comic was a working woman <laughs> <laughs> she, it was like a, it was like a like a working like you know like a regular it was like a like, she was like, it was like a working woman and like her one of her weapons was a vacuum cleaner and her base that was in space was the shape of a roller pen. Uh. Yeah, and they kept on making those, they kept on making, like, women jokes, and the thing is, like, it was just so blatant, it was funny. Holy crap. But, dude, yeah, the, yeah, I have a, a t-shirt that has star on it and shit, it's it's good. I like Comic Jumper. But Local Cycle, not that game. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's not that game. People are, are not digging it. I haven't played it, so I'm gonna leave it be. Well, other than that, I mean, you don't have much coming out. Um, Zumba Fitness actually, World Party? Huh? Zumba Fitness World Party? What? Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, um, you want to hear about me shaking my ass in a review. Yeah. Is getting a video review. Yeah, no. Um, oh, yeah, but so, yeah, nothing else is really coming out because next week is Black Friday. Yeah, it's not, I'm not even saying, I didn't even say it was Thanksgiving. It's Black Friday next week. <laughs> we, we all knew what this was yeah so nothing's coming out actually you know what else is not going to be available next week the mash cast uh, we will not have a regular mash cast next week typically we do a special edition around this time because um, well Joel's not he's, a, he's, in, he's in the great white north so he, he, he's free maybe he can do a single man mash cast do you think <laughs> I can support this by myself Maybe you and he—he he has a statue, not a statue, but a poster of Hugh Jackman behind him, a life-sized poster. Oh no, of Hugh it's Jack- a Sandy. <laughs> you can you can talk to Hugh the whole time. He has been at an angle since I just came on the Mash Cast, and I have not straightened him out since because <laughs> it is well, fantastic that way. So, in lieu of a Mash Cast next week, we were actually um, we have a concept podcast that we were working on, and we will have an episode of that next week it's called that gaming life and uh probably put it out on i'll put it out friday morning and uh you guys can check it out let us know what you think uh no matter what you think about that one there's gonna be at least two because you gotta do everything twice to make sure you don't like it right you got it so <laughs> yeah we'll 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 have that podcast out and the mash cast will return the week after first week of december uh, so, uh, as always, thank you for listening. You can catch us on uh, SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash smash those buttons. You can catch us on uh, iTunes and uh, Stitcher Smart Radio for Android and iOS devices. Uh, we're on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash mtb site, facebook.com slash smash those buttons, and youtube.com slash smash those buttons. Uh, so, uh, once again, thank you for listening. Everybody, if you are partaking in the holiday, have a nice holiday, and we will. We'll see you. Well, you'll hear from us next week, but we'll uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Have a great weekend and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I think my cat shit on the floor again. Goodbye, Joel. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>